episode 24, Embracing the Technology That You're Comfortable With, my conversation with Adriana Linares. I'm Michael D. Eisenberg. I'm the Tech Savvy Lawyer, blogging at the techsavvylawyer.page and host of the techsavvylawyer.page podcast. In this podcast series, I'll be interviewing lawyers, judges, and others in the area of law to talk about where they see lawyers new and seasoned, taking advantage of technology in their legal work, and how all lawyers can utilize technology to better their practice, improve their services to their clients, and enhance their own lives. Our next guest is Adriana Linares. Adriana is the owner of Law Tech Partners. At Law Tech Partners, Adriana provides law firm management consulting, legal technology assessments, migrations to cloud-based services, and law office software training. Her company's clients are law firms, legal departments, legal aid groups, and bar associations. Adriana specializes in helping individual lawyers and law firms become more secure, more productive, and deliver better client service. Adriana, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Well, we're excited to have you here. And before we get into our questions, I'd love to ask you, what is your current tech setup? Um, That's always such a tricky question for me because I'm very mobile and I have three bases. So I'll just tell you the one I have now. So I'm in LA this Mm -hmm. month, spend about six weeks in New Orleans and then Florida and then LA. And so this is my stint in LA. So right now I've got an, a laptop that I love. It's an Asus ZenBook. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's great. And then I have a bigger monitor attached to it. I do use always a big full-size Bluetooth keyboard, have my mouse separate. And I also am really adamant about being able to stand up easily. Okay. So I have here a pop-up stand up, like a sit on top of your desk pop-up that I mm-hmm. just manually, it's got little hydraulics on it. So okay. I'm able to easily lift it up. And then the monitor, because you know you only have so much space on these pop-up stand-up desks. The monitor I actually bought on purpose so that it's one of the ones that sort of rise and you can you know make them higher and make them lower. So oh, when I stand okay. up, yeah, when I stand up, then I raise the bigger monitor up and I'm in business. Excellent, excellent. So what about your other two? Uh, similar, those actually in Orlando and in my home office in New Orleans, I use all-in-one desktops. Okay. Um, PC. I have a Mac. It's under here too. I travel with a Mac because I have a lot of clients that are Macs. So often I have to pop that out and um, and see what's going on. But for the most part, I'm a PC. So I have an all-in-one, an HP and an Acer in both of those locations with extra monitors set up. And I have one Ikea desk that rises and falls. Okay. And then I have another pop-up that's actually electric because that other rise up that I have with the um, all-in-one is much heavier. So it has um, electronic hydraulics that helps it because it holds about 40 pounds of weight total with all my stuff on it. Yeah. (laughs) I did a lot of research before I bought all these different risers because of that very thing. You know, this one's the one I'm using now is easy and light because the laptop only weighs a couple pounds. So I can, I didn't have to buy an expensive one. Well, what riser do you use or risers uh, do you use? This one, I don't know what the names are, actually. They're pretty generic. They're not the well-known ones from right. Office Depot or... Um, Staples? Staples, yeah. So I just got them on Amazon. Okay, okay. So 
just look at the reviews and find the riser that works for you. Yeah, or if anyone's ever interested, you can always email me because I'm very big on having a comfortable and good home mm -hmm. office environment or even a regular office environment. And these are the things that I've spent a lot of time trying to get right. So I'm always happy to pass on the I may have to uh, contact you because my wife is working from home and now she's, you know, she usually works downtown, but she's working from home now. And so I think she needs something like that because she's sitting yeah. all day on the phone. Um, but I have two questions based on your, your answers. One, how are you keeping your data consistent from lo location, location, location? That's a great question. So I'm an Office 365 and a G Suite user. So mm -hmm. G Suite powers my email and I just bring that into Outlook using um, Google Sync services. GSSMO, I think it's Google Sync Services for Microsoft Office. So because I'm 100% cloud-based between G Suite for email and then Office 365 for my file management, I use OneDrive. One of the things I did, while I try not to leave a lot of things on my desktops, I was occasionally leaving a file behind or a video recording that I was going to make a video out of. So I found that you could remap your desktop. So okay. on all three of my computers, I moved the desktop into OneDrive. Gotcha. So everything synchronizes, all my files, including my desktop. And so that's how I handle file management and then email is just easy. With then how do you do the crossover with your Mac? Same, OneDrive. Okay. And yeah. Okay, OneDrive. And I think, actually, I think the desktop I did not redirect on there only because I don't do that much substantive work, but OneDrive is on there, Office is on there, and um, yeah, it all just works. Well, so then my other question is, tell me percentage-wise, your clients, what percentage do you have, say, Mac-based versus PC-based, PC-based? Yeah, no, that's a good question. I'd say probably 60-40 Windows, okay. more and more. Mac users all the time. I also work part-time for the San Diego County Bar Association as their technology and practice management advisor. Okay. And I can tell you about 50-50, also 60-40-ish on the attorneys that come to see me and meet with me there. Um, I keep saying to, you know, one of my favorite technology companies is NetDocuments and they are right. very heavy on Windows. And I have said, to them, every person I can. Have you looked at the statistics of bar exam takers right now? Every single law student is on a Mac. We uh -huh. need to make things work on a Mac or just be cloud-based. So I respect that there are a lot of Mac using lawyers and I try to do everything. If I give a tip, I always try to give it from the window side and from the Mac side. And when I'm developing programs, I always do both. So if I develop a program on Microsoft Word, I do one on Mondays, let's say for the Mac users, and then one on right. Wednesdays. It's Mac Mondays and Windows Wednesdays. <laughs> so if you were to say three benefits of using a Windows, three benefits of using a Mac. Um, I'd say in, in legal specific, if you're gonna be using legal specific services that haven't gone cloud yet, obviously mm -hmm. better to have a PC. Right. Um, I cannot stand when somebody says, well, where somebody, says to an attorney, just get parallels. This just added tech weight. Just right. get a PC at that point. I mean, that's, right. it, you know, there's always glitches. I've never had anyone tell me it works flawlessly. So I think if you're still dealing with traditional or legacy programs that just haven't made the transition, right. I think it's right. way easier to just stick to a PC. 
But what I tell most lawyers is, what are you comfortable with? Because the other thing I hear all the time is I got a Mac because my kid told me it would be easier. I got a Mac because they don't get viruses. I got a Mac because someone else told me it was easier to work with. And it's never easier, right? It's what are you comfortable with? And I have so many lawyers that aren't even good Windows users deciding to go get a Mac. And while things certainly transfer, you know, as far as skills and certain things, uh, tips or suggestions and features, they don't all do that. So it can be very, very frustrating. Um, so my suggestion for that is stick with what you're comfortable with and become really good at using it. And then any specific programs should make a difference, which is generally for the PC. Well, so I got legacy and I got stick with what you're comfortable with. Uh, can I drag one more out of you? I like to keep thing in, things in threes. Sure. I'd say that typically a PC is cheaper. If you True. know, if you've got a budget and you want a nice laptop that doesn't, you know, I mean, a, a Mac starts at at least a thousand dollars. Right. And if you're fresh out of law school, or maybe you just got laid off and you're having to set up your home office, a decent PC, an all-in-one, like the ones I buy, I, I'll tell you, I only spend about $800 on an all-in-one. I don't expect them to last five years. I don't want them to last five years. I want to be able to make an investment for about, you know, five, $600. And then that's good. I, of course, this Asus that I have, this was a $1,200 laptop, but I did that on purpose. I wanted 16 gigs of RAM. I wanted a solid right. state hard drive. Right. You know, I'm a power user at any moment. I've mm -hmm. got Camtasia 50 tabs open on mm -hmm. Fire, or Firefox, 50 tabs open on Chrome, 50 tabs open on Opera. I've got QuickBooks running. I've got Windows. So, you know, I have a thousand things open. So I needed more power um, in a laptop. But the desktops are also just as powerful and I did not pay $1,200 for those. You know, I'm, I'm a Mac user. I love my Macs. And I will say one thing about the Macs is that they do tend to last a lot longer than the Windows machines. And that know, is a benefit. So sure. if you were looking for a long-term investment, you know, it, compared to a short-term need, you know, I, I understand the differences there. Um, yeah, I agree. I use different browsers more to segment my yeah. life and my yeah. work yeah. than anything. So. I keep all my San Diego County bar work in the new edge and yeah. they're also Office 365. So there's right. good integration there. It works great. I keep all my LaTeX partner stuff in Chrome. I do all my personal screwing around on the internet on Opera. Right. And then I keep Vivaldi sort of as like a, that's where I, uh, let's see, how would I describe it? All the things that I want to keep open all the time. Right, right. So like Visita, Vimeo, all the apps that I'm going to all the time, I sort of let them hang out over there so they don't get lost in the shuffle of all the stuff I'm doing in Chrome. So I have to ask, what is your favorite browser? Oh, I don't think I have one. I like them okay. all. Um, they all, they all have their differences, but you know, good, good and bad. You don't realize what features you can get out of a different browser till you get a different right. browser. Yeah. So Edge has introduced this thing called collections, which saves sets of websites or tabs together and you can mm -hmm. say, okay, well, let me go back to that project and open all those at once. Vivaldi has some nice features and Opera does too. And then I'll just say this to the benefit of your users. These alternative browsers are built on Chromium. Mm -hmm. So if you have extensions that you like 
in on Chrome, Chrome because yeah. you got used to them, then they will run on all these other browsers as well. Speaking of um, all open tabs, there is a program called OneTab that will list all of your open tabs from all of your open windows in one screen. Oh, I love that. And allows you just to basically go down and say, close a whole bunch. Like if you have one of the same window, but open like five different spots, you can just oh, yeah. close four and it comes in really handy. And trust me, when it's I- an first extension used... for Chrome? Oh yeah. yeah. Yes, extension for Chrome. And the first time I used it, I found out that I had a thousand tabs open. It, it, was, it was a little bit much. <laughs> One tab, I'm gonna add it to Chrome right now. Excellent. Thanks for the tip. <laughs> Absolutely, it's it's a give and take. Um, so let's get into the questions. Okay. So uh, you've been assisting attorneys for over 15 years. What are the three most common issues with technology you're seeing attorneys grappling with and how do you help them? I think I've had my company for 16 years, but I worked for eight years before that at some of Florida's largest law firms. So. Okay. Can you believe that? I've been helping lawyers and law firms since 1998. <laughs> I'm so old. So, all right. So forgive me, over 23 years, <laughs> uh, you know, um, well, if, if, if this makes you feel any better, I've been using computers since 1940 okay. years. You know, I programmed yeah. with a, a Tandy Coco computer. Wow. Um, and, you know, I used a, a Mac. Back, my first Mac back in 1986 it was a it was, it was a Mac like I think it was the 128, and then uh, I had been using Windows with DOS Windows yeah. DOS back in 82 83. So wow. you know, uh, you, you got to catch up to me first, I'm afraid, and 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 then uh, and then you can so you don't have to worry about feeling feeling old at all. But uh, going back to the question, uh, yep. what are you seeing computer uh, attorneys having issues with? Um, I wish I could say things have changed over the past 23 years, but they, I tend to see the same issues over and over again. And most of them, thankfully, are truly just a lack of training. So the biggest issues I see are with Microsoft Word, which every lawyer uses all day long. Mm -hmm. So they'll struggle with very simple things like copying and pasting text, um, automatic numbering, complex page numbers. So for sure, Word is probably the thing that I get the most complaints about. Really? And that, yes. <laughs> because I mean, well, when you said things like uh, copying and pasting, I, mm -hmm. I, I, I find that to be an extremely, extremely fundamental issue. Yes, I mean, believe I mean, me. The, the issue I'm having with law students, because that's who I typically hire as clerks, is that they don't know how to do cross-referencing. Cross they don't right. know how to do uh, indexing and tabs, uh, yeah. creating tables of authorities, uh, creating yeah. tables oh, I get of, those too. of contents. I mean, it's it's just ridiculous. And sometimes a simple spell check. Right. And, and one of my favorite things in Microsoft Word or any word processing program is when you use the little paragraph function to show mm -hmm. spaces, yes, carriage returns, and tabs. Very helpful. And, and they like they like I'll. I'll look at a document I'm like, well, you've got two or, right. or between a couple of words or three spaces, you know, well, what are you doing? And they're like, well, you know, uh, how did oh. you see that? I'm like, I, I didn't even have to have that function on to recognize it, but you know, cause I've gotten so good at it. Um, uh, me too. I, I always say I can spot a space, two spaces after a period from the other right. side of the room. <laughs> oh yeah. And it's, it, it is amazing that 
parents concerning that law students still yes. don't know how to use these basic functions. But they don't teach them that in um, college or high school, really, they don't. So most people still use Microsoft Word like a typewriter. And when I say copying and pasting, I'm specifically talking about when an, when an attorney copies from another resource and brings it in, they mm -hmm. can't ever figure out why the font doesn't match. You know, my documents in Times New Roman, why am I pasting into Arial? And um, so, yes, there are, I deal with a lot of basic function and I assume issues. you're talking, talking about command shift V. Right. Okay. Yes, that can still be a problem, though, if they have not changed their default font. So right. if what they did was control A right. and just paint basically Times New Roman on top of mm -hmm. when you press, when you use alt shift V, um, it will reduce the text to whatever the default is for the document. So if the default for the document is Calibri, Mm -hmm. then that's going to yep. bring it in as Calibri, creating even more consternation because now they don't understand where Calibri came from. <laughs> now on, on Max, there's a program called TechSoap. I don't okay. know if you're, if you're familiar with that. That basically no. will get rid of all that kind of formatting stuff from any text that you copy, sure. paste in there, and then it could transfer over, maybe not necessarily to a Word document or, or something yeah. along those lines. Is there anything like that in Windows? Well, um, you can always in Word just erase all formatting. So there's a button on the Mac and on the right. PC. It's the little A that looks like it has an eraser next to it. Mm -hmm. But it still is the issue of what is the default font for that document. And oftentimes there are documents that were born 30 years ago in a law firm and we still use it to dupe and revise from. So right. uh, that's probably another issue I see a lot with is, is legacy documents. I deal with a lot of solo, small, and mid-sized firms, so mm -hmm. I am still dealing with WordPerfect on a pretty regular basis. I give a session called Life After Reveal Codes okay. for my hardcore- uh, WordPerfect uh, yes. users. Yeah, I all the time. So um, anyway, to get back to your question, so you said, what are the three main things? So basic issues with a very critical tool like Microsoft Word. Uh, lack of skills with Acrobat would be another one, just okay. really not knowing all of the things that you can do with Acrobat from, you know, manipulating PDF files to combining them yep. to extracting from them to using the signing tool if you've got a paid for version. So I have a lot of yep. firms that have paid for DocuSign while they have Acrobat and they're paying for two services. So all not right. really knowing what you get with services and yep. tools is a big issue I deal with. And then you know, from a more technical perspective now, this whole work from home thing, which I feel like most of us have settled into at this point, but having the right technology to meet with clients or the courts is not been something that a lot of attorneys have invested in. So they don't invest in a good microphone. They might rely on their built-in camera, which isn't very good. So I've been doing a lot of helping them with, you know, buying better tech because now we all believe that we're going to be in it for a minute. Yeah. <laughs> and so they're wanting to invest a little bit more. I certainly deal with a lot of, we had a server um, now we want to go cloud-based. So the past 10 years of my legal technology consulting business has been a lot of migrating from traditional systems to cloud-based services. We've talked about lack of training. We've talked about legacy uh, concerns. One other? I'd say a good third one would be mobility. You know, you asked me, how do you keep 
you know, you have three offices, essentially, how do you keep everything organized? Mm -hmm. And I explained it to you. So I would see that's another one they, you know, when you aren't fully cloud based, it's very hard to end up with files all over the place. And in firms that might not be a true solo, being able to properly organize all of the matter files and emails and stuff is obviously a big problem. Dealing with emails, you know what? Let me strike mobility, give you a better one. Uh, dealing with emails is just a critical, critical problem that I see everywhere. And without a really good document and email management system and service, managing emails is really hard. So most lawyers just do it either by labels and Gmail, terrible right. way, just a terrible way to manage emails. Okay. Or folders in Outlook, just as terrible, but at least visually more appealing, I think, than labels in Gmail. And the, you know, the thing is, too, we don't have a lot of good solutions for dealing with emails. So in my opinion, back to net documents is far and away. There's no competitor. It's the best product. Problem is it's Windows heavy. Uh, and then a lot of today's practice management programs like a Clio or Rocket Matter and in my case, they help manage emails a little bit better. They're just at that point going to be inside of the practice management program, which is where you want them. Right. So there's a little bit, you know, there's a lot of things to figure out with managing emails. And I think that's a struggle. So do you have any like specific tips about managing emails? Well, yes. The best tip that I can give any attorney today is try to reduce your emails. How do you do that? Move the client portals. Client portals solve a lot of problems. They solve a security problem. So any modern practice management program today offers portals with your subscription. So um, the three ways that attorneys communicate with their clients is, of course, email, phone call, and text. You like right. things in threes? Well, there's three. And what are the least three insecure ways to communicate with your clients? Emails, phone calls, and text. On top of that, what are the most cumbersome to manage? Emails, phone calls, and text. So if from the beginning of engaging a client, you explain, hey, look, we use a client portal. It's better for your information. It's much more confidential. Things are secure. You have access to your data 24 hours a day. You can upload documents that way. You don't have to email them to me. Oh, and there's an app where you can also keep those things secure inside of the app. So the best way I think to deal with email is to try to reduce it. So um, with clients, I suggest client portals, internal emails using a collaboration system like Teams or Slack or mm -hmm. Gmail's, you know, G Suite's been doing a lot and, and helping us do that. So, you know, you don't need to send, shoot off an email to someone to say, hey, did that migration finish, right? put it in the chat somewhere. So I think we're overloaded because many of us have taken email on as the only source of communication and managing emails and documents. I mean, a lot of lawyers use Outlook as their document management system. It's mm -hmm. a terrible, terrible way to do that. <laughs> do you suggest anything like uh, same later, or I'm sorry, same box? Sure, those are always helpful, but they're not really getting rid of anything. You're not filing it. You're not putting it with the matter files. And a lot of helping lawyers manage their emails for me is what do you do when a matter has closed? Still got to get them out of Gmail or get them out of Outlook, or you right, can right. and should, because then you can properly close a matter with all of its communications and files in one place. Excellent. Excellent. So Adriana, 
between putting an external cam on your computer and using the cam from your, your phone or your tablet, which of the two do you prefer? Without a doubt, a third-party camera that attaches via USB to your computer or your laptop. And the reason for that is the built-in cameras are typically not as good as a dedicated webcam, and you can't control them. So I'll to, to further demonstrate the example, let me just talk about Logitechs, because those are the ones that I buy. Every time I buy a Logitech camera, I also then turn around and download the Logitech camera software, mm -hmm. which allows me to zoom in and zoom out. Mm -hmm. So, you know, sometimes, so I've created, I know your listeners can't see us, but I've created this little tiny corner of my home in Los Angeles. Actually, let me not insult Hermosa Beach. In Hermosa Beach, where I am, and I wanted, I didn't want to have to put up a green screen. I Sometimes right. I have six or seven meetings a day and their video and having to pull out the green screen every time in this tiny apartment became All a pain. Right. So I created this nice space behind me and with my camera, because I have the Logitech camera software, I can actually zoom in so that it's not throwing such a wide view. Right. You can't control that with a built-in camera. I can also, um, move it up and down so if i'm standing up and maybe i just need the camera to sort of jump up a little bit and i'm right, demonstrating right. it for yeah. you i know your listeners can't see it but it, it so there are a lot of benefits to having a third-party camera and for me those are two really important ones well there's three you like things in three yeah um the dpi is better so the right. camera just looks better the ability to control left right and center and mm -hmm. the ability to zoom in and out is helpful for me especially where sometimes I'm in a hotel room, sometimes I'm in someone's office, sometimes I'm sitting in a coffee shop. So to be able to better control what's being seen around me is very important to me. And which one do you use? Which one are we on I right just, now? I have them all. So I just got the Logitech Brio, which is about a $300 camera and they've been out of stock for since March. So it, I had to wait this long to get it. But the C920, which is I think more like a, maybe under a hundred or right around a hundred dollars is a really good Logitech camera at a reasonable price. And I have two of those. And then I also do have a cheap little tiny, I forget what model it is, but I throw it in my tech dop kit. I have a, I joke around about having, you know, men have dop kits when they travel yeah. for your, yeah. for your um, toiletries and shaving toiletries and, and stuff. So I carry around a tech dop kit and I have one extra one in there, which is much smaller. That's not as good as the 920, but it's an emergency backup in case I lose it or it gets broken. I have a backup. For video conferencing, what minimum RAM requirements do you suggest attorneys have for their computers? Eight gigs is okay for RAM, but really if you can get 16 or 32 on a Windows machine, you're mm -hmm. going to fly. It's a, it's a significant difference. Oh yeah. Especially I... if you're someone like us, who's just got a ton of stuff open. Mm -hmm. But if you are trying to to run a 4k camera on a microsoft surface go you know you might be asking too much so for my second question please tell us what three areas of technology have you been assisting your clients with in this work from home COVID era for sure first and foremost especially early on when we started it was being able to meet with clients and colleagues in the courts via remote and audio so without a doubt it was that and it was things between um, choosing if you had the choice for a camera. We didn't have one. So a lot of attorneys that had desktops didn't have cameras. If they have laptops, of course, they were built in. But then sometimes the quality wasn't very good. So maybe a right. third party camera would help. 
And then getting the audio right was important because it's confusing when you turn on a webcam, it also has a microphone, it also can have a speaker. Sometimes third party mics are better. So did a lot of webinars for the Florida Bar and for San Diego and just general guest appearances on just getting video and audio right. So for sure, that was number one. Number two was moving a lot of firms, not a lot, but you know, a handful for me, a tiny solo practitioner consultant from server-based file systems to cloud. So a lot of them already had Office 365 and OneDrive. Actually, all of them did. So that was, I won't say it was easy. I didn't have to do the work, but just showing them how one person either remoted in or at the office could move documents into OneDrive, which has to be shared from an individual or if they choose to use SharePoint or Dropbox or something else, that was probably number two. And then third was not necessarily having support staff at the tip of your fingers, which some of them did not. So very basic skills like manipulating PDF files, maybe uh, attaching and zipping multiple files. And sometimes that came through using something like NetDocument. So I'd say some simple, useful, advanced tips that a lot of attorneys might say, well, that's what I have a secretary for, which is something that drives me insane. So those are the top three. Now, hold on. I got to ask, why does that last comment drive you insane? Why is it that, well, that's why I have a secretary for? Um, I believe attorneys should be empowered to do much of their own work when it comes to technology that allows that. So things like an email, forwarding an email to your secretary that says, please print. I mean, come on, or an email that says, please file, file yourself. If you've got the right system, it's actually very easy to do. You can do it in a couple clicks. Having someone calendar for them when, if their calendars are appropriately connected, they could pick up their phone and say, hey Siri, schedule an appointment for Tuesday at five o'clock with Mike Eisenberg. You know, I mean, the simple things that I think attorneys should be able to do, and now they know they should be able to do because they don't have their secretaries or their paralegals sitting, you know, uh, hollering distance from them, are the types of things that I, I just believe attorneys should do themselves. Well, I, I got to ask on this topic, how many solo and small practitioners are you seeing still have secretarial uh, support staff? much true solos when I get obviously when I get a true solo they don't they do it all themselves but if it's a solo and a secretary or a solo and a you know a couple of attorneys it's it's all of them <laughs> really I'm, I'm just surprised yeah. just from what I've seen with technology in my own mm -hmm. work that like a lot of attorneys a lot of staff for instance with the government are the, doing everything themselves yeah. um, and you know I've been doing everything for myself for the last 15 years and I really couldn't picture someone you know say could you print this or, you know, I know. Or could you it's remarkable. Um, you know, my wife still sends me uh, stuff to print for her from the house. Um, <laughs> it, it's 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 fascinating. It's just my it's concept. Fascinating. Yeah, it's fascinating because in my concept, in my reality, I'm always doing everything myself. Um, so you were talking about um, audio issues and helping with their mm -hmm. audio problems. So do you find do you encourage attorneys when they're doing whatever video uh, casting um, external headphones? Or um, are the speakers on their computer okay? So I've never been on a conference call with someone who's using the speakers and the microphone built into their laptop, and mm -hmm. it's amazing. It's always okay. So I'll give you an example. Just Friday, mm -hmm. I met with an attorney. She's a friend of mine. I, she pinged me on Facebook and said, I'm having a lot of problems with audio. 
I said, I'll hop on a Zoom call with you. Let's figure it out. So she was using her laptop and it just sounded terrible, but not really. You know, it was right. to me, it sounded terrible. I'm a little bit of a snob. I said, it sounds okay. Um, and then she started getting feedback out mm -hmm. of it because sometimes it's just not, I don't know why that happens, but I said, well, you could always just plug in. And she said, oh, I don't want to show cables when I'm in a hearing with the judge. I said, totally understand. I work very, very hard to create a professional environment behind me or just a nice environment. And so what I talked her into doing was buying a Yeti Nano, just a, just a nice yeah. microphone, sits on, comes with its own stand, it's USB powered. And then for the audio portion, what I suggested she do is what I do and what I'm doing right now, which is I bought a very cheap pair of Bluetooth earbuds from Amazon, not $200 iPad uh, AirPod Pros, just literally, they're called Soundcore. They were $20. Okay. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. And they're all I need them to do is put sound in my ear. I don't right. need the microphone out of them because I've got okay. the good microphone for that. Right. And I've right. got the earbud for sound. So we set up the speaker on Zoom. And actually, she was going to use Teams. So I had to show her how to pick a different speaker and a different microphone. And then her audio was improved a million times over. And she could look professional without having, you know, Think about all the reporters, where the journalists we see on TV right now, they're all from home. Yeah. I almost come unglued when I see one of my favorite, most respected journalists with a grainy image, bad lighting, and then the yeah. white cables from their iPhone dangling. It's, it's just like, come on. I want to take you seriously. Put me in a place where I can. And so that's what I try to help them do. Well, uh, I hope These you're taking, peeves of mine. I hope you're taking me seriously. As you can see, you have the backdrop of my office, and I have a very busy office, and that's a polite way of saying Come that on. It's a little cluttered. Um, but uh, yeah. But I, if you I, were meeting with clients, wouldn't you go through the trouble of getting a green screen? Like, it's so easy. I'm actually doing a three-part video right now about my three different setups. Right, right. And in my home office in Orlando, I went to the trouble of getting a rod, a ceiling rod, installed the ceiling rod, three screws and a green screen, you know, right, $17 right. sheet that now I can just pull across very easily. I don't have to go through the whole tripod thing, which I do here, but it was so easy to set up. And I'm sure that if you wanted to do that, it would be easy for you to set up a very nice way to be seen video wise. Well, you know, in my defense, uh, I have been meeting with my clients by telephone because I have a nationwide sure. practice. And we've always always met by telephone. I've never had a situation where you know we had sure. to see one another. Now we do have video conferences now with the BPA, the Board of Veterans Appeals, and you know I will uh, clean up my back. Now I, I actually have a there it is. I'm pointing right there. Um, is it a, a the um, web around? The web around. Is that what it's called? Web around the one that uh, attaches to the back of your chair. I have one of those. Yes, yes, that's exactly what I have. And yeah, although your perfect. your green screen rod, actually, uh, I I think I may have to look into that. Um, but the thing is, so like when we have hearings, the office is a little bit more cleaned up, and you know every client that I've had see my office uh, for these hearings, they're they're like, that's what I want to see. I want to see a working attorney's office, knowing sure. that. He is busy and not just, you know, 
you know, you know, making things perfect for me. Um, right. It's and you know, thankfully the judges haven't complained, so I, I presume that you know it's it's professional, and uh, I will probably start swift shifting over a little bit more just as I start getting more into um, conducting video hearings. Um, so well, and I don't think anyone ever complains. Like my friend that I was talking to, she said. It, no one's ever said anything and everyone's very forgiving right now. And I 100% agree. I still think that if you're sort of a type A, like I am, that, you know, it's easy to make that background look nice. True. But I, I agree with, you know, there's, there's no pressure from my side. It's just when somebody comes to me and says, can you help me? <laughs> yes, I can definitely help. Well, I, I think I blogged uh, a couple months back about what not to do for a Zoom hearing or meeting. And one one attorney called in, basically, she was, it was a female, she was lying in bed, um, right, undercovers, I think, in her pajamas, and the judge is like, um, you know, there's just yeah. common sense stuff. I mean, you don't have to right. be dressed to the nines, but you should probably be dressed in a good work shirt and a good jacket and or tie. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't wear stuff necessarily or rope to, right. to right. a hearing. Um, but well, let me let me move on because there's one more thing I wanted to follow up with from your answers. You're talking about OneDrive. Uh, do you find OneDrive better than say Dropbox or Box, or does it like six one half does the other? They're all a terrible way to manage files, but when that's what somebody's going to use because they can't afford something more sophisticated or don't want to, they're all the same to me. Microsoft OneDrive. Google Drive, if you're going to use the app to synchronize to your right. hard drive box. Um, it's just that most people are already play, paying for Office 365 and you right. get a terabyte of data, okay. which I think the last time I checked and I canceled my Dropbox professional subscription, I was paying 126 a year and I can't remember how much storage, but it was not, I just switched everything to OneDrive. I said, why am I paying for Dropbox? That's silly. So I think they're all the same and Office integrates well with Dropbox now and you can always easily choose a box or a share file location. But I think OneDrive is just there. What I do wanna say just real quick is OneDrive does not replace your server. So if you have listeners who are thinking, oh, a terabyte of data, we'll just move everything off the server. OneDrive is designed to be one user's space for their personal work files. And then mm -hmm. you share one folder at a time right. here and there, one document at a time. From Microsoft's perspective, SharePoint is designed to replace a server. It's the community garden for everyone to go and work in. Well, then why would you necessarily give up Dropbox? Because you, you wouldn't. Okay, so okay. I would, you know, again, like kind of going back to situations, if you're a true solo, mm -hmm. you're already paying for Microsoft Office 365, switch to OneDrive, stop paying for other services. Although, of course, I tell everyone, you're still going to keep a Dropbox account, you might just keep the free version, because you're right. going to share files that way people are continue to use Dropbox. So it's always good to, I have a subscription to everything. If somebody says I use box, I go great, send me, I got box, you got share file, I got share file. I think we talked about this earlier, which is I always encourage clients to be multi-tech users and not put right. all eggs in one basket. You meet your clients where they are comfortable with technology. So you just have multiple options. Well, let me ask you this. So one thing you mentioned are servers. Um, do you think attorneys, solo and small practitioners need a server when they have something like Dropbox and no. or Backblaze? No, as a matter of fact, I was talking to a law student 
law school class last week. Mm -hmm. And I said, I'm almost positive that not one of you will ever buy a server. So it's, you know, it's just sort of how we've always done it. And it's always been there. And now the technology has gotten so good with being able to store documents in a secure and safe location in the cloud and be able to share them effectively that I think it, you know, it, I, it would be hard for a law firm to talk me into why they needed a server. There's always going to be a very specific program, maybe an outdated or orphan program that continues right. to need a server. And I totally respect that. And that's great. But from a just efficiency and security perspective, the cloud storage systems are better. Yeah, I had one guest on uh, about a month ago, and he will not put his firm on the cloud. He yeah, I've it, got those. It's a server and nothing else. And he's a solo too. Um, Can't wait for him to get a ransomware attack. He's big on security. So I'm, I'm not too mm. concerned about that. But you know, eventually, everyone's going to get hit somehow. And, and we just have, have to make sure we have multiple different types of backups that three, yes. two, one one source, two different types of media for your backups, and then three actual ba different backups. And just, that's so much work. You you are more comfortable. You Once you get comfortable with the cloud, you realize that you don't have to do all that work. These companies do the backups for you. They provide the security. It's just, that's a lot of work. <laughs> well, hold on. Respectfully, I disagree. I mean, <laughs> I, I've got that system here. I have Backblaze backing up the entire hard drive. I mean, everything. Uh, I have Dropbox backing up all of my office files. Uh, I have a hard drive backup image um, through Time Capsule uh, that's constantly making a backup of the entire machine. I mean, I've got backups off the wazoo. I mean, great, because who knows, one day someone may come out with a virus uh, malware against uh, Dropbox sure. or yeah. Backblaze or whatever. And I just want to make sure I've got my, my butt covered, as they say. Uh, but let's move on to the third and final question. States have been pushing the reopening of courts for the assistance of video hearings. What three tech tips would you suggest to any attorney appearing in a virtual hearing? Get a good camera. Okay. Get a good way to hear and speak. So good audio, both directions. And become comfortable with Zoom and with Teams because the courts seem to be sort of splitting between those two. So you've got to know on both ends how to share your screen and get your audio and your video settings right. So those would be my three tech tips. Get, get good video, get good audio, and get good at using the basics on various meeting programs. Well, let me ask you this. Um, on getting good video, what is the minimum DPI? What would you recommend for them? Or do you not have a recommendation? I don't know as far as DPIs, but here's what I tell everyone. Okay. Buy the highest quality. When somebody says, what size? Surface Pro should I buy? Here's what I say. You walk into the store, which now they don't have them anymore, but when they had the Microsoft stores, I said, you walk in and you say to the guy, I need the most expensive Surface Pro you have, <laughs> which is terrifying for some lawyers to hear. But look, man, you cannot skimp on technology. So when it comes to a video camera, which is now your new form of presenting yourself and your argument and your clients, you buy a $200 camera, not a $30 camera. And I have a $30 camera from Logitech and I have a $90 camera from Logitech and I have a $200 camera from Logitech. And let me tell you the difference between the $200 one and the $30 one is, is like a, a, a Tesla versus a Yugo. 
So what you do is you spend as much money as your budget allows to buy the best technology that you can afford. So, well, DPI is dots per uh, square inch and the old cameras, especially some of the older um, laptops and even some of the all-in-one desktops uh, have 720 DPI. I believe you and I are broadcasting 10 API but my iMac. And then also I have a 4K, uh, which is becoming the rave. Yeah, and yours yeah, looks I mean, good, so, by the way. I know this is a podcast, but I will say that your built-in camera to your Mac looks great. Excellent. And, you know, I recently spent, uh, I want to say $200. And just um, for you, Adrian, I, I'm going to show you my my 4K. Yeah, um, I have it too. Did you get the Brio Logitech? Yes, yeah. yes. And, and I, I think you could tell the difference. Um, so, sure. It's, it's sharper, uh, it's better saturation with colors, and you get a little more detail. Um, I recently got it. I've been playing around with it. And I need to incorporate it over uh, more. But um, here, so you don't get stuck seeing me from sideways. Let me. Okay, look, I just switched to my built-in camera into my $1,400 laptop. I don't schlep on technology. So I have a really nice laptop with a solid state hard drive. And look at this camera. And no offense, it looks a little faded. It's off. No offense, it's awful. Which is why I spent the two hundred dollars, and now I'll switch back to the Logitech Brio, and it's amazing. Oh yeah, it's, it's I mean, it's gorgeous, and you can see much uh, much better detail not only on your face but also in your my wrinkles. Background. My wrinkles are very clear in this, which is you know now that just here's here's for for your no, female no, no, for your female clients. no wrinkles whatsoever. No wrinkles. You look great. Don't, Obviously, don't. you're married and you know how to talk to women, but I'll say this. Here's the problem with these high-end cameras. You're going to turn around and go spend a bunch of money on Botox, too. It's expensive <laughs> to look good on video. <laughs> uh, you look great. I, I, I have no idea what your age is. I, I won't even go there. Um, but for the listener, I, I, you know, you want to look your best uh, when you're doing a typical video hearing. Um, I'm a little more casual today as we're doing the podcast, uh, but I, I assure you, Adriana looks professional. Um, so, so well then, let me ask you: How do you prepare yourself to look good on Zoom? I mean, what is it you think you need? And, and please know this is not a personal attack. It's I mean, I want to know you know professionally. What do you think you need to do? I mean, so for instance, you know, I'm a guy. Uh, we may not necessarily care about certain <laughs> things that. Um, do we have to have like some extra makeup base on our face for shininess? Um, or, you know, no, like I think, that. you know, so I don't wear makeup. And so for me, that's not a big thing, but um, I just like to put on a nice shirt and I always right. put on jewelry and I make sure that my hair, if it's messy and doesn't look good, I pull it back because that can always look professional. I'd say you don't want to show up with wet hair or unkempt hair. You want to just, look clean and nice right. jewelry always helps and then having a nice camera just makes all that look a little bit better and then having a nice background i have um if i use a green screen i'll put myself in an office or maybe you know we're all used to the green screen environment so maybe i'll right, put right. myself outside if i'm at home and i don't feel like whipping out the green screens which sometimes can be a lot of work then i just move my laptop. So right now I've moved the laptop into the living room, which has 
again, I know we're on a podcast, but has a little bit better background. And I know we're doing a podcast, so I didn't go through all this trouble for us. If it had been just the podcast today, I probably would have just sat at my desk and obviously knowing that the video wasn't going anywhere. But I have a YouTube show on Latera TV and I recorded okay. that this morning, which is video. So then I just left the setup here. <laughs> well, I, I, you've, I know you've done two different locations throughout our podcast as we had to split oh. two uh, recording sessions okay. and each one have, has looked great. Um, well, and you know, I, fantastic. Um, any suggestions on things not to wear or not to have in the background? And I, you know, granted, we should all be dressed professionally, but have you seen anything like it was like, oh my god, I can't believe that person wore that? Or, um, no, but I think a funny mistake that people make is they'll wear a color if you're going to use a virtual background, yeah, often yeah. something green where yeah. the background becomes your shirt or your shirt becomes the background. So I think you have to be careful with that. If you're not sure, just put on a solid color that's dark, a dark blue or dark right. green would be fine. I think, um, you know, all of us have home offices in really weird places sometimes. So here in New Orleans, I, our home office is in our guest room. So there's a bed in the background, which right. I can, that makes me crazy. So the best I can do is it's a trundle bed. So it kind of looks maybe like a couch, which is also weird, but the best I can do is make sure it's always neat. But then the other thing I did was I put some artwork and some things on the wall, a little bit higher and brighter, hoping yeah. that if, if you are going to be, you're looking around, the eyes are going to be drawn more into the background. So I think an unkept bed, uh, a messy kitchen in the background probably doesn't look that great. Dirty dishes in the sink. Again, realizing that everyone right now is so forgiving, especially if you're someone that's working from home with kids and right. having to juggle kids at home, everyone's going to be very understanding about that. My suggestions and my tips are always for when you can. Well, you know, I, I think your presentation, if you will, the video presentation that I get to enjoy is that it's clearly focused. I see you, I do see some background, but as you mentioned, you're dressed accordingly. And in the background, it's very focused on a small part of the roof. So even if you had a house with a messy kitchen and a uh, unkempt bed, all you had to do is find that one spot right. in your house or your room that clearly doesn't reflect the state of the whole home. Or world at this point, the right. whole world's in disarray. <laughs> yeah. So you just, you just focus on that one part. I mean, if I really wanted to, all I would, I could do, all I'd have to do really is rearrange myself, Yes. which includes my desk, which might get a lot. Um, you have a nice plant it. in the background. A nice plant That's in the background right. or my closet doors, or even this one portion of the wall that has nothing on it. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's something that you can manage. So, but I want to slip in a, a quick question, if I may, what are the three biggest mistakes you've seen people do on these Zoom hearings? You know, your clients, you don't have to name the client, of course, but what three <laughs> big mistakes have you seen? I'll just go back to the same three mistakes, which is having bad audio or not knowing how to set your custom audio settings if you're gonna do something different, um, having a grainy bad camera, and then finally not knowing how to use the technology like the share screen. So a lot of times they want to show a document or they want to show an image and not knowing how to do that is very frustrating. And in the training I have been doing with uh, the San Diego court system, which they all went to teams 
early, like in April, right. I was doing teens training for them. Their biggest issues were connectivity issues. So another out of for the three, which would be bad audio, bad visual, or bad microphone, the fourth thing would be you have to have a good internet connection. Okay. So Wi-Fi is the worst. It's if you can find a way to connect using Ethernet, meaning your laptop has to has, have an Ethernet port, which most most of them don't today, but your desktops will. So both of my all-in-ones, which I think we talked last week about my different setups. I'm on my laptop now, but when I'm at my regular desk, I have an all-in-one computer. Both of those are right next to the router. I spent extra money to have the cable guy drill a hole through my wall. I need the router right here because I don't want a hundred foot cable going through my house. But if that's what you have to do, that's what you have to do. So having a bad Wi-Fi signal and then trying to use Wi-Fi for two, if not three of the most draining resources, audio, visual, and um, speaker, it's just, you know, you're, you're setting yourself up for disaster. So I would say having a really strong internet connection is critical to this world that we're living in today. Adriana, you've mentioned how you present at like the San Diego bar and help them out and other solos and small practitioners. Do you help during a trial? Do you help, help attorneys during a trial? No. I don't do any litigation support. Litigation support and accounting are my two kryptonites. Definitely not in my, my I stay out of those lanes. May I ask why? Um, yes, you most certainly may. And I can easily tell you, I can't do everything. And you know, consultants that try to do everything aren't gonna be great at a few things. So some of my litigation support specialist buddies are not great at Microsoft Office. Well then you know, we can send each other business. I just think it's hard to do everything. And when I was working at large law firms and litigation, I, there was a whole litigation support department and I realized that was just not something I could do. We, it was a We lot have our own strengths and weaknesses. The important thing is to know which is which. <laughs> That's uh, true. Adrian, I wanna thank you for being a guest on uh, my podcast today. Please tell people where they can find you. Sure. Uh, Adriana Linares is easy to Google, but I am not the violist. Just so you know, I'm not the only Adriana Linares in this world. There's a beautiful Adriana Linares who plays the viola professionally around the world. That's not me. Uh, and I can always be found through my website at lawtechpartners.com. On Twitter, I'm Adriana L, A-D-R-I-A-N-A. -A -A, and then my last name is Linares. So there's an L at the end. Excellent. Well, thank you for joining us. And we hope to talk to you again soon. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. It was really fun. Thank you for joining me on this episode of the TechSavvyLawyer.page podcast. Our next episode will be posted in about two weeks. If you have any ideas about a future episode, please contact me at MichaelDJ at the TechSavvyLawyer.page. Have a great day and happy lawyering. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. 
Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only, not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%.